Welcome to the Elevated Podcast, based on the best-selling books, Elevated and Excavated. I am your co-host and co-author, Virgil Herring, and joining me as always, great friend, co-host, co-author, Drew Maddox. Drew, how are we doing today? Doing awesome, Virgil. I hope you're having a great week as well. Doing phenomenal. Big word today, prevail. We all would love to prevail uh, on a regular basis. A lot of things go into prevailing. When you think of prevail, what does prevail mean to you? Yeah, I, I, I couldn't wait for our discussion around this word. I, I don't know. I feel like I say that every, <laughs> every week these days. But it's like at different moments in your life, contextually, you just connect with the word so much more. And this is a word that in my house right now, um, specifically, and I even wrote about him in the book, I'm watching one of my children live out prevailing in real time. And when you get to see something like that happen day after day after day, and the way that that it strengthens and enhances your ability to stay in the fight and want to prevail, you know, what we can learn from our kids yeah. is what I'm experiencing right now. So this, it's been such a blessing. And I wrote about the book and a lot of people know our story, but you know, we, we have three biological daughters. We adopted two little boys and I've told the story many times and Mm -hmm. if we want to get into it, if we have time on this, we can, but where, where I want to kind of sit as it relates to prevail, my son, Nicholas, who's the youngest of our five children, the name Nicholas means victory or the ability to prevail. And he is a living testimony of what it means to prevail. And when you look at his story, uh, being abandoned and, and, and truly left, um, when he was discovered at the orphanage, they literally, after an examination from a health standpoint, gave him a birthday and gave him a first name. Didn't even have a last name. Wow. Didn't know w- what village, what family. I mean, true, true abandonment. And so you start to think about an infant that was found and the story of prevailing that has been consistent in his life yeah. that led him to the orphanage. 2,000 miles away from a family that gets placed, you know, in connection with him. Yeah. Um, and then he comes to our, our, our home and, and connects with our family. And then he begins his little journey as a, as a two-year-old toddler. And then as he starts to grow up, uh, we begin to uncover that, that he has a retina disorder. So he has a, 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 a blinding disorder, if you would. He, he, by definition, is legally blind. We wouldn't have known that until he began to learn to read. And he was completely deaf in, in his left ear and has wow. limited hearing in his right ear. So all that to say, when I watch him in his journey, and I've watched him over, you know, watching him now grow into his teenage years, Virgil, he wakes up every day and he chooses to prevail. He chooses to control what he can control. And it's something we've been really focused on the last couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. I know we talked about it in Overwhelmed. We talked about splitting out what you can control, what you can't control. Yeah. And, you know, this is um, something that I, I, I see him deal with daily. And he deals with adversity. He deals with struggle. He has physical limitations and hardships. And he would love to play football, but he can't because if he gets hit too hard, he, he could be lights out blind. Yeah. But all that to say, he chooses every single day to stand tall and to take the step and lean into the day and attack the day. And his attitude and enthusiasm is contagious. It's, it's unlike anything I've ever seen before. So his very being in the morning when I see him, 
He's a living testimony of prevailing. And so when I wake up and know what I have to encounter in the day or what happened yesterday, what's going on this week or Mm -hmm. something that may be, you know, a discouragement to me, I see him even without him saying a word, he's a living testimony of what it means to be able to lean into prevailing to whatever is in front of me that day. Do you feel like that is largely innate? Do you feel like that, not that I'm saying that you were, you know, teaching prevailing. Do you think that is something that he learned or do you think that that was something driven from probably even from a subconscious abandonment place that he, he has a innate sense of survival. Yeah that's almost secured in the black box in his mind because a lot of the things that he had to learn about survival occurred before his conscious mind was ready to understand Yeah, I I think it's definitely, it's it's nature, obviously, the way you were born. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, what his surroundings were early on the foundation and then the culture. I mean, the Ugandan culture is beautiful. Like, I I learned so much in this entire process and continue to connect back to that. And and that's its own discussion because there's such beauty uh, in the people there yeah. and we can learn so much and I've learned so much, but back to your point about the survivorship element, uh, gene, that's a part of his story. Yeah. But I do think, um, you know, in terms of his interest, um, I think there's been a nurturing aspect to it as well. So the nature and the nurture did intersect. Yeah. Uh, and at that intersection was this third element, which kind of rises above that, which is this life focused on excellence, which prevailing is a piece of that. Yeah. So I think it's both. And I, I really do. I think it's, it's where he comes from, who he is, the way he's created, the way he's wired, what's in his DNA, the very fabric of who he is. Mm-hmm. But I think that through his interest, through his self-discipline, through uh, his pursuit of what he wants to do, which is, um, you know, be a scholar, be a runner, be an excellent basketball player. I think all of those aspects, he's so self-driven that I think there's been some nurturing aspects. And then you throw them into our household as well. Yeah. I mean, you know me. Yeah. Uh, I, I have high expectations. If you're going to, if we're going to hang together, much less if you're going to be my son, like, and I don't want it to be a fear-based thing, like, like your identity's on the line, but no, we're calling up to excellence because you're created that way. Yeah. And um, I'm going to hold you accountable because I love you too much to allow you to stay or settle. Yeah. And I do think there's been aspects. And if any of our listeners, cause I know you do a great job with your boys too. Um, just some tricks that we, I hate to say tricks, things we've learned mm-hmm. and things that have not gone well equally yeah. as such. Yeah. And I think in that there has been some nurturing to the way he was created. Yeah. Well, that's a, that's a super powerful. So I didn't, I didn't know the nuances of that. Mm-hmm. That's really uh, impactful because in many ways, you know, prevailing goes with this statement that I constantly reread and reread and reread over and over and over again, which is the hungriest person, the hungriest team will win over a more talented team. Yeah. And when you are hungry for whatever it is that you're hungry for, boy, that's a really awesome turbo booster for the engine of life. You know, and, you know, sometimes we're very fortunate to live in a really good situation. We have a nice home, nice cars, we're able to do things, travel, whatever. So we have luxuries that a lot of the world doesn't have, and that can make you a little bit less hungry. So there is certainly some DNA in it. 
Yep. And then there's also the coaching piece, the parenting piece, the family piece that is either the extinguisher or the igniter. Yeah. You know, and a lot of that goes into competing every day. Yeah. You know, if you're not competing, well, then you're very quick to you've either accepted your fate as where it is. And this is how it's always going to be very fixed mindset. Yep. Or you challenge yourself every day to see how far you can go that you didn't go yesterday. Mm-hmm. When I think of prevail, for some reason, the word prevail always sticks out to me with tennis players and the the five set grueling matches that major championships provide. And you can kind of see the exhaustion how their legs get weary, the serve gets a little bit weak in the fifth set, and the ones that prevail have the greatest level of mental and physical endurance. And I I know I wrote in the book, I talked about Federer and Serena Williams, and that um, those two obviously... Gosh. Uh, when Federer was just amazing. But the more I think about it, like there were, like Andre Agassi was unbelievable endurance and could take you to the fifth set no matter who you were no matter how off his game was and i think that he kind of gets forgotten in the legends of tennis because we're coming out of probably the greatest era of dominance because literally you think that in the mount rushmore of tennis might have the guys who have won 60 of the last 70 yeah, those three guys majors what, yeah djokovic and nadal uh, and, and federer and nadal and federer yeah and like yeah. i mean there's there's no Connors, McEnroe, and Becker or Borg, and Sampras. there's yeah, there's no, there, those guys do not compare in that for that run of time, yeah. and the fact that they all did it at the, essentially the same time. Yes, Federer came slightly before Nadal, and Nadal came slightly before Djokovic, but they all duked it out in some legendary major championships, and. To see that their record against each other is fairly neutral yep. just lets you know, like we're talking about the greats of the greats, endurance, mental strength, preparation, mm-hmm. the process, obviously, oh, everything goes back to the process. That's what we've, it's, all the, the more we write about, <laughs> more books we write, the more we talk about it, it just always heads back to chapter one, yeah. process. <laughs> but at the, at the end of the day, when I think of prevailing, attitude, endurance, grit and a level of fight yeah are four like the four main ingredients to prevailing and man think about any sport you want to think about and you think about the champions or the ones that have prevailed those are the four things that you see yeah and yes there's there's maybe a fraction of luck that goes into it Yes, right place at the right time comes into it. But, man, there's the more people prepare, the luckier they get. You yeah. know, the more practice they get in, the luckier they get. And, you know, to the layperson, almost all people have literally no idea what kind of work goes into being at the very top of the pyramid of any sport. Like, if you see your – like, for my sport, right? You, you go to your club and you see the best golfer at the club – and he's he's by all standards, this guy's the the man. Yep. And like he would get thunderstomped <laughs> by the worst PGA Tour player, 
most people can't even fathom that. And the amount of preparation and work alongside of the God-given talent that they have yeah. is the is the key. And I mean, there's and within all of the books of greatness, you always hear about the the person that we might be talking about says, "Well, I'm not even close to as good as this guy that I played basketball with in in New York City on the playgrounds." Mm-hmm. But he didn't assert himself. Yep. He got caught up in the wrong circles. And we never heard of him. But dude, when we were on the when we were on the asphalt out in the out in the park, this dude could absolutely <laughs> ball like nobody. Yeah. He's better than anybody I've ever seen. Yeah. And I remember like my dad used to say Connie Hawkins. Now he had a very small career. Mm-hmm. He ended up getting into the NBA, but well past his prime. But Connie Hawkins was like that guy that was so dominant in New York City on the on the playground. And everybody's like, man, what do you see this Connie Hawkins play? <laughs> and he, he, he obviously made a tiny bit of an impact in the NBA. But at the end of the day, that's what it really comes down yeah. to is God gives you gifts, but there has to be something stoking the fire to, to use the gifts because it, one of the saddest things that you can have is be given a gift and not use it till its fullest. Yeah. That's a slap in the face to God, mm-hmm. so to speak. So whoever your creator in your mind is, whatever gifts that you've been given, if you're not maximizing those gifts to your fullest, you've slapped the face of your creator. And I think that that's really important to remember. The four again, you said attitude. Attitude. Process. Process. Preparation. And And fight. Fight. Yeah. Yeah, I was thinking about those four because, you know, recently, a couple weeks ago, we saw greatness magnified in uh, LeBron James breaking the scoring record. Mm -hmm. And when you get to see somebody like that, and then, you know, throughout those weeks leading up to that and and the countdown was on, and, you know, now you've seen the clips even after and maybe even some of the Nike commercials, and you go all the way back to his first game at Sacramento. And then even go back before that, growing up in in Akron, Ohio, Mm -hmm. and and just, uh, you know, the the son of glory and what, what he was enduring and, and then I was just trying to think about and connecting his story to those four elements of prevailing because Virgil, you can't get to the level of greatness to break one of the people thought probably one of the most, uh, unbreakable records that existed Yeah, that nobody would ever be able to ascend to the levels of Kareem. Yeah. And for LeBron day after day, game after game, season after season, decade after decade. And that doesn't even take into account what he deals with on and off the court, homework, life balance. I mean, he has so much on his shoulders. And to show up every single day and be able to rise above it and prevail, I was trying to connect a little bit of his story to those four elements. Yeah. Because you've got to be able to show up every day. I mean, his attitude, um, I, he has an incredible, I, I don't care what people say he's the most hated athlete that, that maybe in the last 10 years for certain, yeah. you know, I mean, just people love to chuck in shots at him. Oh yeah. But we, you cannot debate that every day you have to show up for work with a mindset that you believe you're going to be the best in the room Two, the process. I mean, you know, it is well documented about his work ethic, uh, in and out of the weight room, in and out of the gym, his diet, his health. I mean, 
talking about being sold out to the process, that guy is the epitome of what it means to be sold out yeah. to the process. Uh, three, I know four was fight. Three was, did you say endurance? Endurance. Or endurance. I mean, sustainability. How many miles that guy got? Oh, my wheels, gosh. Man. And, you know, they've, they've now said after the how many Olympics he's played, how many playoff games, how many extra seasons that truly is beyond just his actual career seasons. Yeah. And so, I mean, you, you've got to be about the process. You've got to have a great attitude. You've got to take care of yourself. You've got to be disciplined because you have no chance to have endurance and sustainability if you're not invested in those elements. And then four, man, the ability to fight. I mean, just how many days did he show up at the gym or travel to an arena or go to that practice gym at 6 a.m.? And you just didn't want to be there that day. Oh, my God. Or you just maybe had the sniffles or maybe your knees were sore. That back was aching. Just the the fact every single day he shows up and he fights long beyond how he feels. Mm-hmm. I mean, I just think that was beautiful that you tied those four attributes to prevailing. And we got to see it just a couple of weeks ago yeah. with him you know, breaking this record. And my hope is – that he can fully be celebrated for the greatness now that that he that he truly truly is. Well, adding the all-time scoring leader to his resume certainly begins to cloud the goat conversation. Yeah. And like here's how I view it. I've said on this show multiple times and I'm not sure that I've seen anybody dominate their sport like Tiger dominated his sport for 10 years. But when you think about it, LeBron has probably been the best player in the league probably 15 consecutive years. <laughs> and this is his 20th year. Yeah. And he's probably not considered the best anymore. But he's not outside the top five. Look at his numbers. It's As a 38-year-old. He's I'm like, averaging what? 31.7 points per game. I mean, are you at serious? 38. Are you serious? That is insane. So that's endurance beyond yeah. belief. I think that every single person that's ever played with LeBron loves him as a teammate because he is a team first. He's not a shooter first. No, he'll shoot. But he's he's more in, he's a really great decision maker. Yeah. He knows when it's the best move is to pass and when the best move is to, to shoot, drive, or whatever. Yep. So he's got that part down. I don't think there's any question. He's a fighter both on the court and in the boardroom yeah. because he fights to get the team better by bringing people in. Now, some people really dislike the fact that he's always bringing, trying to bring in right. people. They think he overextends that yeah. piece of it. But, I mean, at the end of the day, like Magic or Bird or you know <laughs> Jordan or any of those guys in the previous generation, well, I never did that. Well, yeah. But if you could have, you can't say that you wouldn't have. It was never like social media has put a level of power in the superstar athlete that wasn't available to Jordan. Yeah. MJ. I mean, Magic Johnson, Dr. J, Bird, Kareem, Olajuwon, any of those guys, they were still almost all of the news stayed in-house and slowly leaked out into the CBS, NBC and ABC and ESPN. Man, now, I mean, the fact that LeBron, they also made this point, too, uh, a couple weeks ago, is that he, think about it, he might be the only superstar 
and this is this is a long run of superstardom that has never had any trouble off the court. Yeah, crazy. And that just lets you know that the discipline that he has in his life yep. shows up on and off the court. And probably when he gets out of the league and we miss him for a little bit, that'll be something that'll be something that should be cherished and really celebrated because yep. in the world we live in today, you know, when we think of the greatest of anything, Tiger had his bad run. Tyson had his bad run. Tom Brady's just coming off of a bad run. I mean, even Michael Jordan. Yeah, Michael Jordan. I mean, it, there's just it, nobody's exempt from a little, yeah. a little flat tire, yeah. you know, or a fender bender in, in their life, so to speak. And I mean, LeBron's been kind of scat free on that. Yeah. And of all things prevailing, yeah, he not only has prevailed against the best basketball players from multiple generations. I mean, he ba- he basically played against Jordan at the end, Kobe in his prime, and then now he's at the end of his. Well, he's certainly past his prime, but playing like he's unbelievable. But now he's going up against Giannis, who is a freak. Yeah. I mean, so he is he has seen multiple versions of basketball. He came in at the end of the post series. Yep. You know, he saw Shaq at the tail end. Yep. Because I, mean, I think, in my opinion, he's the last true post center that we had. I mean, there's a Jokic guy. But he's so versatile compared yeah. to Shaq. It's unbelievable. It's not a low post guy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But still, I mean, like, he has seen it all. He has prevailed in multiple styles of league basketball. Like, it went to the post, to the perimeter, to slash and dunk and whatever, to, like, predominantly three-point plays yeah. that spread things out and that co- creates lanes of drive. Yeah. He has dominated – all facets. Yep. He's become a – I'm not going to call him a Steph Curry at three-point land, but he is a proficient three-point shooter. Oh, yeah. You start to look at his shot charts of the way his game has progressed, he has prevailed as the game has innovated. Yeah. I mean, he is the consummate definition of prevailing because the more the game changes, the more he evolves. He uses it as a challenge to elevate himself. And, man, it – yeah, okay, so maybe he embellishes some fouls. Maybe he whines a little bit because he wishes he got this call or that call. Jordan would have got that call, you know, et cetera. But at the end of the day, squeaky clean, adaptable, and the literally the process and preparation that he puts in to be great. Yeah. We'll be writing books about him. Oh, yeah. But we just have to miss him first. Yeah. Like, we didn't realize how great Tiger was. It almost got annoying <laughs> how many golf tournaments were over by Friday afternoon yeah. in his prime. Like you, for most people, they don't, they're off on Saturday and Sunday, and they want to watch golf, and they turn it on Saturday at 2 o'clock in the afternoon. Tiger's winning by 8. Well, that's boring. We know Who knows who's going to win now? You know. But when Tiger went down in 09 and really has not even come close to returning to that caliber of player, when he wins in 2018 at the Tour Championship and then the 2019 Masters, we really appreciated yes. what we saw in that 10-year run. Yeah. We haven't had a chance to miss LeBron because he's literally been center stage for more than 20 years. He was center stage when he was in high school. That's right. That's right. So we're at 22 years of superstardom. Mm. We're exa- like the exhaustion of LeBron James. Mm. Mm-hmm. The exhaustion of it. Mm. When it, when we give it, let's give it five years after retirement, 
and we'll be clamoring for the days of LeBron yeah. <laughs> because of how, how amazing he was. Yeah. And I think that that's what I'm, I'm hoping people kind of glean from this word is prevailing sounds like you've won. Yeah. Yeah, you prevailed. Right. But how? Right. Why? Yes. There's hardly a prevail. Yeah. That was a fluke. Yeah. Hardly. Yeah. You know, for every, for every, um, who's the guy that beat Tyson? That was the most unbelievable. Oh, like Buster Douglas. Buster Douglas. Yeah. For every Buster Douglas, there's 25,000 LeBron James, Michael Jordan. Right. Tiger Woods. Yeah. Wayne Gretzky. You know? So, yeah, I mean, every, every, there's always going to be an outlier to say, well, what about Buster Douglas? What about Chaminade over Virginia? Yeah. What about North Carolina State over Houston in the yeah, – okay, yeah, 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 yeah. I, I got it. <laughs> but, I mean, for every one of those, yeah. it's thousands and thousands of well-deserved, well-earned, overly prepared, endurance, grit, fight – that took them to the next level. Yeah, I, I I think the other thing too, which just to stay on this theme of LeBron James, as it relates to prevailing, it kind of also put a spotlight on the Laker organization. And you start to think about like how does an organization? I mean, it, I'm sure they've they've had their up and down years mm-hmm. and all, but if you look at the last 50, 60, 70 years, I mean, go back to however far you want to go back. And you start to look for it, obviously the Celtics, but the Lakers have been a constant. And to have both of those guys standing up there representing that organization, it just really like, how does it, we're talking about one player, but then how does a system, how does a team, how does a culture, how does a, a company, you know, be, how can they continue to prevail year after year after year to the point where it turns into sustainable success? And I thought that was what my first thought seeing Kareem and LeBron there next to David Silver, like getting their pictures on the court was think about the greatness of the organization. Oh think about th- think about the, the, the world class approach to providing an incredible experience for your athletes, for your fans, for the community. I mean, there's so many factors in all of that. And to think year after year after year they figure out a way to prevail that that is almost like we're talking about one individual example, but at a system level or a culture level, like that's crazy because there's so many, I mean, there's coaches coming and going, general managers coming and going players that are interchangeable, but the sustainable success never changes. And over the last, I think what I saw 58 years, the person who was the all time leading scorer has been a Laker Chamberlain. Kareem, wow, LeBron, that's amazing. Think about that. That's amazing. Who was before Wilt? Was it George Mikan? I mean, he was Minnesota Lakers. I thought it was Dolph Shays. Okay, maybe is what I saw. Okay, because I think Dolph Shays was ahead of Mikan. Okay, um, he passed Mikan. I believe I wow. saw that. But I mean, if it's not, it could be reversed. But yeah. I was like, I was looking at that list. I'm like, that's crazy. Who is that, Dolph Shays? <laughs> Holy cow! <No>, that's a. <laughs> But yeah, it's uh, it's amazing because you, know, you think about legendary organizations, right? You know, you have the Celtics and you have the Lakers. Largely, those are the two big dogs in in, in the NBA. 
when you think of the Celtics, you don't think of players. You think of the team. Yep. When you think of the Lakers, you think about the people that were on the teams. Mm-hmm. You're thinking West Baylor, Goodrich, Chamberlain. You're thinking Magic, Kareem, Worthy, Worthy. Scott, Cooper. Oh. And now you think, you know. You're Kobe, Shaq. Kobe, Paul Shaq. Gasol. Paul Gasol. I mean, yeah, it's. Hall of Famer after Hall of Famer. That's right. Yeah. We think about the Yankees. You think about the players yeah. of the Yankees. Yeah. And then, like, there's such a tremendous drop off between the second greatest organization, baseball, and the Yankees. Yeah. Right? So then you flip over to the NFL, and it's like the Cowboys, mostly players. Patriots, mostly team minus one person. Right. And one coach. And one coach. So there's there's multiple ways. There's multiple ways to look at greatness. But at the end of the day, it either starts with the top down, like the management builds it and it creates a culture. Or it it's not so much the culture as they know what they want their players to be Mm -hmm. and they allow the players to then create the vision of where the culture goes. Yeah. And I think at the end, whether it's top down or bottom up, you know, it depends on how you look at it. I would always say like, if you're building the pyramid, you're building it from the ground up, Mm -hmm. but there's a lot of organizations that start top down. Mm -hmm. It starts at the top and it, it trickles all the way down to the bottom. Either way, the process. Yeah becomes the key. Yep. And there's, and Hoat said, we've talked about it a thousand times, and Sabin said it better than anybody. If you're trying to be great, there's really not that many ways to be great. <laughs> so you have to do, it takes what it takes. Yep. And both sides of this coin, whether you look at the, the Lakers version versus the Celtics version, or you Lakers and Yankees, or however you want to view it, it comes down to, they have a vision. Yep. They stick to the vision. They're true to the process of it. And then they put the pieces together to create the culture that everybody can buy into. Yeah. And I think what is the what makes it interesting for team sports, which will also be very similar to corporate business, is that you can't have 400 LeBrons. You have to have role players. And you have to know who and the personalities that fall into yep the certain roles that you need. And then you also have to make that role player who's not getting paid like LeBron, Kobe, Shaq, whatever. They have to feel like they're just as important and their role is absolutely essential to the organization or we can't succeed. Man, now that's hard. Yeah. But that is probably the true essence of prevailing. Yeah, yeah. I love what you just said right there because then I began to think about organizations that take on the prevailing nature of the leader slash founder. So you think about the Cathy's and Chick-fil-A, you think about service and hospitality. That's been the sustainable thread throughout the organization from top to bottom and across their growth. Yeah. You know, when you think about um, Apple, you think of Steve jobs, you think of innovation and you, and you think about cutting edge, you think about brilliance, you know, mm-hmm. and, and, and that was him. And you can feel that in the organization. You think about Microsoft, you think about Bill Gates, you know, you think about Berkshire Hathaway, you think about intelligence and Warren Buffett. That's right. When you think about Nike, you think about Phil Knight and, you know, you think about a champion, what a champion really means. So it's really interesting to think about whether it's top down or bottom up. The the one thing that can be agreed to is it's felt at the top and it's felt at the bottom and it the prevailing 
sustainability of the qualities that we described of attitude, process, endurance, and fight all are existent from top to bottom or from bottom up. 100%. Well, you have been listening to the Elevated Podcast based on our best-selling books. Please feel free to go to Amazon and check them out. And we will look forward to seeing you next week as we delve into another word from Excavate. Have a great day.